Hi, flight instructors and NAFI members. Welcome back to another episode of the NAFI More Right Rudder podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. Today's episode is actually going to be sponsored by David Clark Headsets. They are a brand new NAFI sponsor. They make fantastic headsets. And if you've ever seen anybody wearing the green headsets, you know where they came from. So thank you, David Clark, for sponsoring it. Today, my guest is Brian Schiff. Now, this is unique content for the podcast. We're pretty excited about that. Um, and we're actually going to talk about something that uh, Brian and I were talking about the other day, and it's going to be a lead into an article in Mentor. And it's how does a flight instructor or a training instructor or a corporate check instructor keep themselves out of their own way, how do you keep from getting upset when a student decides to find their own style and, uh, um, you know, decides to fly the coop from what you've originally told them, even though they're still right? So Brian, uh, welcome. Thank you. I think it's a great idea. It's unfortunate we weren't recording that conversation. I think most of the time, if we recorded our conversations, when two CFIs get together at lunch or dinner, you'd probably have a great podcast. <laughs> I think so too, although we'd probably have to edit some of that out. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, I was telling you a story about how um, recently I have become a, uh, a training instructor for the 135 outfit that I work for. Uh, which is a huge honor for me because I finally get to unite my two worlds. I, I get to put my CFI hat back on um, and I get to fly the uh, the cool shiny airplanes that I get to fly and, and have fun doing it. Um, you know, and so I've taken it very seriously. I, I've only done it for a few months and, um, you know, I, I've, I've gotten some compliments, which is, is humbling for me. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where I train up these uh, these baby birds I send them off onto the line. They go fly with other people. And of course, you know, I always tell them, I don't need you to do it my way. I just need you to do it sort of up to the, the standard operating procedures for the company and, um, you know, obviously correct and legal. But then I've also found myself flying with those pilots again after having released them for a couple months and going, well, wait a second, you used to do it this way. And then I realized, well, they used to do it my way. And now they've done exactly what I asked them to do. And now I'm internally getting a little upset about it. So what you, first of all, congratulations on becoming an, an instructor pilot for the Czech Airmen. And, and it's a wonderful opportunity. It means somebody trusts you and has a lot of faith in you. And now you get to partake knowledge, which is why we flight instruct to begin with and to help other people learn, uh, you know, all aspects of flying. So congratulations on that. You're going to you. enjoy it. You will become a better pilot yourself because you're going to just learn so much more because you're forced into studying and teaching and, and doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where the people, I think the pilots you're training did a cooperate and graduate thing and did what you wanted to do, how you wanted to do it. And then they went out and, you know, uh, worked into their own uh, habits and, and, and impl uh, implemented their own way of doing things. Yeah. Which like I said, ironically is exactly what I told them to do. Uh, but now they're coming back with me and I, I'm feeling a little bit, I don't know, defensive probably isn't the right word, but you just feel weird about it. You're like, well, you were so great. And then you realize, well, they were so great to me because they did exactly what I told them to do. 
you know, how does an instructor, and this relates to, um, you know, instructors of all levels, sim instructors and private pilot, commercial pilot, um, you know, 121, 135, how do you get over yourself <laughs> and allow them to, to find their own way and realize that it's not wrong, it's just different? Right. And that's, that's a, a very good question. And I think it's a good uh, thing for you to write about because a lot of instructors have trouble getting out of their own way. Uh, for example, I went out uh, on a layover. I forget where I was, but I, I sometimes on a layover, I'll just go get checked out to rent aircraft at a local flight school while I'm on a layover somewhere. And it's kind of fun. And when I come back, I can rent airplanes because that's how much I love my job when I'm not doing it in between doing my job. I like to go do what I do for a living. So that tells you you're doing the right thing. But I went up with this new instructor and during the checkout, I could feel his feet on the rudder pedal while I was flying the airplane. Mm. And so he's, you know, I think that's a sign of insecurity. Uh, I think what you need to do as a check airman, as an instructor, you need to be secure in your own flying and your abilities to get out of a situation or recover from a situation. But I think you need to let you need to give a lot of latitude. Um, I think demonstrating is good and then let them do it. Let them do it their own way. Sometimes you'll see a better way by watching another pilot try and do the same maneuver that you just did or you know whether it be an approach or whatever. So let them do it as long as it conforms to the policies, procedures, regulations, what the AIM says. Um, and give it, you have to give a lot of latitude. Yeah, you know, and, and I agree with that. And in a lot of self-reflection, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the best out of people, which, you know, is a true statement, but I also don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy that is, is asking for perfection. I don't want to be that guy that, uh, um, you know, is, is unsatisfied with, with something that's completely okay to do. Um, you know, and, and you don't want to walk around with, you know, sort of that, uh, that nose held high that says, well, you know, the other captains that you're flying with aren't doing it the way I want them to. So, you know, shame on them and shame on you. Um, cause that's not, and that's not what I have at heart at all. It's, it's purely right. just a matter of, you know, you want people to be the best. Um, but, uh, um, you know, you, you have to be relaxed enough to, let them find their own the best. You do. And so you need to stay <clears throat> on glide slope. You need to stay on localized. You need to keep them centered up, whatever that looks like on your instrumentation. Uh, there are a number of ways to do that. You know, is, is pitch controlling um, altitude or is it pitch controlling airspeed? I don't care. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to call it, as long as you keep the needles crossed. So there's a number of ways that some, some of the techniques are just semantics. And so I like to watch and see how somebody does. First, if they can't keep the needles perfect, centered, then I might offer some advice. Okay, I see you're not doing that as well as you could. Here's a technique. And I think it's very important to differentiate technique from procedure. The procedure is we stay on center line. The technique is, well, I might just use a little rudder just to push the nose over a little bit. I might fly with slight bank angles uh, to stay on localizer. But everybody has different techniques on how they fly the airplane. Keep it comfortable. I think that's a procedure. Uh, but there are different techniques. So I think it's important to differentiate when you're providing a technique versus a procedure. That's one step. That'll help. Yeah, well, and there's a, a third there, too. I think the reality is, is that sometimes we just don't keep the center line on accident. 
Um, you know, sometimes you just have those days or, or the weather conditions are what they are. And, and well, it you doesn't probably necessarily do that. mean yeah. anything. It just means that at that <laughs> moment, they might have lost track of it or, or frankly, I might have lost track of it. Uh, happens to the best of us. Right. And on that note, that actually made me think of something kind of important, how to get out of your own way, like you're talking about, is if you see a pilot stray from centerline, uh, that's not the end of the world. We all mess up. We, you know, we're not perfect. It's a constant series of corrections. But if you see a pilot stray from centerline and be okay with it and accept it and stay one dot paralleling the localizer or staying exactly 50 feet low the whole time, uh, so being off is not the problem. Not correcting or making an attempt to correct back to it, that's a problem. So I think when I have a, a Czech airman tell me, hey, you're off your altitude, but I just got off and I was about to start correcting, that's annoying to me. Uh, so as, a, as an instructor pilot, what I do is I wait, give them an opportunity to make that correction uh, a little bit longer than you think you need to. And then when they don't do it, that's the time to step in. So don't be harping on and nitpicking before they have an opportunity to make corrections. Well, you know, and there's, there's two other points that, uh, that I've been thinking about. And one of those is when I look back to my very first few students, and, and I've seen some commonalities with this in, in the 10 questions uh, video series that I've done, I will tell you and fully admit that I over-prepared my students. You know, you, you meticulously go through every single detail. And I'm not saying that that's not a decent thing to do as an instructor, but at some point you figure out like, okay, it's worth harping on this. It's not worth harping on that. You're not going to, you can, you can condense the whole thing. And so I wonder if there's a little bit of that going on in here, I'm still so new as a check instructor that I'm like, looking at it through a microscope instead of, you know, the, the mile high view that maybe it needs a little bit. Sure. I think that's valid. So the, the, the phrase choose your battles comes to <laughs> mind, right. you know, there are, there are some policies that, uh, or regulations that have broken can be quite dangerous. There are some that, you know, okay, these aren't necessarily the end of the world. And, and one that comes to mind is the sterile cockpit rule. Uh, I've once flew with a Czech airman who briefed, I was a co-pilot and the captain Czech airman told me and briefed me before the flight that he really wants to respect that, that sterile cockpit rule. And, uh, I, he's going to be strict about it. I'm like, great, that's fine. We can all follow the rules because we get lax on that. That's one of the rules that I know that, that, that pilots relax a little bit too much on. Well, does that cause accidents? I don't know. You know, that's debatable. We can talk about that a lot. But so we're taxing out and I see the windsock blowing a pretty stiff tailwind to the runway that we we're supposed to depart on. And I turned to him and I said, hey, Cap, look at that. Wait, he goes, stop. Nope. Shh, shh. I know it's hard. He stops me from talking because it's sterile cockpit. And I'm looking at this windsock. But I got out enough to get him realizing what I was about to say. He was triggered to stop me from talking. And he did stop me. But it was a pretty well, pretty important safety related item. We're about to take off. It looked like a pretty good wind shift and a tailwind. So he stops. I could see him, his wheels spinning, and he knows that he just stopped me and he did the wrong thing. And he looked over at me and he said, Brian, why don't you ask the tower? And I'm like, Jim, no, nope, stop. No, it's hard. It's really hard. To... <laughs> and he's, he felt horrible. And but I was just being funny and I was just joking about it and and he felt horrible about it and apologized about it. So we can be very trigger happy to follow some procedures and uh, to the point where okay, sometimes it's okay to break sterile cockpit. Uh, sometimes we do that. 
Yeah. And you were, I believe you said that uh, at one point, but maybe not now that you were a training instructor at the airline that you work for. Is that correct? Yes. I've been a Czech airman on the Boeing 727 and the, uh, the MD-80. Did you encounter any of this? I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. And maybe it's just that I took so much time off between um, taking primary students and getting into this. But did, I mean, did you have that same feeling? Yes, I did. When I first started as a Czech airman, I wanted to be perfect. <laughs> and to, the, to, the, to, to my own fault, because the students, or the, I should say, uh, the other pilots who flew with me would be uncomfortable because it's just, you're too nitpicky. Um, and then I wound up relaxing over a period of time. And a number of years later, as I'm teaching, I know what I can relax on, what I don't want to relax on. But I need, I need the guy that I'm flying with or gal to be comfortable with me. And I point out what's important. And there are times when I would be a little bit more relaxed than others. And I think it's important to not have someone stressed out about you picking up on minutia. Uh, you know, I, I had a, a captain one time tell me uh, that I couldn't, I was not, I was being lazy holding my heading, but I was looking out the window for traffic because we were down low. And he goes, you're three degrees off your heading. And I said, wow, that's pretty good. And for me, <laughs> you know, and he goes, well, you know, I think that's pretty lazy. And I, so I reached up and I grabbed the, 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 the DG and, and, and centered it up on the heading I needed to be. I said, how's that? So I think nitpicking three degrees on heading or little tiny things like that can make somebody uncomfortable. So when I was a brand new Czech airman, I did that more. And as I got to relax, I realized, okay, I need to teach this airplane. I need to teach our policies and procedures, but I don't need to be very nitpicky. I think that just uh, creates a, a tough relationship and yeah, makes it you know, uncomfortable. And that's, and that's what I, I finally uh, came to the realization with. I was flying with one of our first officers that uh, I had actually flown with just about exclusively during COVID. And, uh, you know, him and I could basically read each other's minds. And that was great. Um, you know, and, uh, I, uh, ended up flying with him again after not having flown with him for a couple months. And, and he had, uh, you know, finally gotten out from underneath my, my wingspan a little bit and, and came up with his own ways of doing things. And, and I started talking to him about it. Like, well, why aren't you doing it this way? And he's like, well, I found out this. And I kind of went, what am I doing? <laughs> why am I, why am I getting yeah. on his case about this stuff? Cause he's not wrong. And it just, it started to bother me to a point where like now we're having this conversation because the other thing that you mentioned in what you just said, and, and also the other day was um, nobody wants to necessarily, if they're, if they're just flying a 135 trip or a 121 trip and they're with a captain check him, check airmen or not, if they're not in training, they don't necessarily want to be receiving flight training from every captain that they fly with. It's kind of off-putting. Um, yeah, I agree. As a co-pilot, having been a co-pilot for many years, there were pilots I loved to fly with and captains I hated flying with. I noticed that when I flew with captains that nitpicked me were just sticklers and looking over my shoulder the whole time, I screwed up more. And I found when I fly with guys who are relaxed, laid back, they're still in command. You could still be very, you know, be in command and be an authority without really being nitpicky and being annoying. When I flew with them, I actually flew better. I held my altitude better. I was beautiful on the approaches. My landings were better. I was relaxed. Uh, and so I try to do things to make my uh, students relax. When I flew with those kind of captains, I try to do what they did to make me comfortable. And, and sometimes I'll break sterile cockpit 
just to show them, hey, everything's fine. <laughs> I had a, a, a co-pilot I was flying with one time, and in the flare, he's just floating and floating. And I looked over at him. I said, hey, want me to request lower? And uh, <laughs> he just starts cracking up, and he put it down. And, and But it, it's little things like that, just being comfortable, not nitpicking. And sometimes the nitpicking can, be, can happen later, like at the end of the flight when you're debriefing. Uh, that way you're not making the flying uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times I'll have conversations with some of our members who are airline captains or training captains for airlines or, or 135 or part 91 and, uh, or, or even 142. And they kind of say, well, what is NAFI doing for, for somebody like me? Or how do we as a group sort of collect our peers that are in those worlds? And, um, you know, the biggest thing is trying to find ways to relate everybody together. And this is one of those conversations, which is why it was important that we had this, because, again, if you had talked to me years ago when I first started, these were the exact same things that I was talking about with my private pilot students. So it's the, the, the game changes, but the lessons are the same. Right. Yeah. No, I think I think it's a very important conversation to have. And as far as what NAFI can offer, I think more of these conversations getting out there uh, and getting more of a mix. One of the advantages, you know, that you and me get to have when we're flying with multiple co-pilots or different crew members is we get the benefit of seeing some of the things we like, some of the things we don't like. Many GA pilots only fly with one instructor. And, and so one of the things I really like to encourage them to do is, is go fly with several people, fly with different instructors, take a potpourri of those things you like from those pilots and, and leave what you don't like. Uh, but, it, but I think having this conversation and more of them with more people and, and if we can vary this up with different flight instructors, every time we get more instructors on here doing these programs, I learn as an instructor better ways to teach something or even as a pilot, better ways to do something. Yeah, and, and no instructor or, or pilot wants to be the guy that nobody wants to fly with. You want to be the one that everybody goes, man, I learned so much from that person, and that person made me feel at ease. And, and that's, uh, that's the art form that I'm in the process of learning right now, and I'm sure there's many out there that are, are going through the same thing that I am. Right. Um, and, and it's it, all because we care, you know? You it is, and you'll fall job. into that groove. You care so much now that you want to make a pilot perfect. And so striving to make a pilot perfect, I think, is is where you're struggling a little bit. And then so you made them perfect, but they're not going to stay like that. You want to get them to a point where they can develop themselves, where they can be safe. It's a license to learn, so to speak. And you get them to that point. But if you get them to a perfect you know, level where they've memorized what you like to do and all these little tiny tasks and, and, and cooperated and graduated through your training, that's not going to stick. You want to get them thinking right. You want to get them evaluating and making decisions for themselves. It's kind of like, you know, teach a man to fish. You know, you mm -hmm. want to get the pilot thinking on his own and get him to an acceptable level where he can go learn and, and develop his own techniques. Uh, but you have to provide the, the, the skeleton for that, not necessarily all the fat and the meat and the hair that go outside of that. Well, and somehow I got to figure out how to be, make myself perfect before I can expect it out of anybody else. Cause, uh, mm, we're not there yet. <laughs> well, but also don't think that you have to be perfect. You don't, right. you have to be safe. You have to be legal and you got to make it comfortable for the passengers. Those are always the criteria, the, the, the biggest three criteria. And if you do that, you know, it's okay to be less than perfect. I tell you, nothing will make a student feel better than when the instructor is not 
perfect. And they will feel better. They'll feel like, hey, he's human, just like I am. Here, I'm doing a commercial student. Here, watch this Lazy 8. Ugliest thing you've ever seen. I think that was a lazy scribble, not a lazy 8. So <laughs> I'm going to do it again. It's hard. It's difficult. That's why I screwed it up. And when the student sees that you can do that, I think they feel more comfortable. So, you know, work on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And for those out there listening, I don't, uh, I don't care what aspect of training you're in um, in any level. I'd like to know what you think. Um, I'm writing this article. I'm hoping to have it, uh, for the November, December edition of mentor. And I'd love to be able to include feedback and, and tips and suggestions to make myself better, but also to be able to share that with, uh, with the rest of the family here at NAFI. So, um, if you want to email me at, uh, NAFI at NAFINET.org, uh, I'll uh, filter through those and we'll include the comments in uh, in the further conversation that we have. So, Brian, any uh, any final thoughts? Well, I encourage them to do so. And, and we have so much experience out there. So tapping that from our membership, I think, is great. I'm eager to hear what you get from that. Uh, because I always like looking for a better way to teach something and improving myself as a flight instructor. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that, that when you're a new CFI, you talk to experienced CFIs about, hey, how do you do this? How, what, how do you actually teach the pattern? How do you teach a student to do this or that or whatever? But I'm looking forward to that. Um, as instructors, I think don't aim for perfection. Aim for great you know, and reach it. Um, it's okay to fall short of perfection and be, be okay with that. And so remember also, I think there was a, another thing that I provided here uh, not long ago. It's in the recovery. It's not, it's not in the mess up. Everybody messes up. So be okay with a student messing up but recovering okay. It's in the recovery. See Naffy Notum's blog, naffynet.org. And <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike Jesh, I'm looking at you. Feedback. Sarah Rovner. These are great instructors. I look forward to hearing what they say. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, everybody, um, thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.